kind of a sidebar, this is probably the worst reviewed game that we've covered in Good Games. Really? Absolute dunks on this video game across the internet, <laughs> oh, Damon. Oh no, really? Holy shit, yeah. Uh... <laughs> entered our 60s david oh damn it's all downhill from here it's all downhill from here all downhill now so i this is just a little peek behind the curtain for all the real fans out there all the real podheads mm. i separate my file structure into increments of 20 so it doesn't take that long to like shove files into a folder uh-huh so it's episode 1 through 20 uh 21 through 40 41 through 60 Mm-hmm. And now we are on uh, 60, uh, 61 to 80, and uh, I feel a very threatening aura about one of the episodes in this lineup. Threatening aura? A very threatening aura <laughs> about an episode, what will be eight episodes from now. Oh, oh. is this like a Dio level aura? <laughs> I feel the... I feel the pressure of podcasting giants on our backs, David. Like who? Who had who had a memorable uh, 69th episode? Is that what you're? Is that what you're That's, talking about? That is what I'm referring to. What do we do for the sex number episode? I don't know. <laughs> the sex number episode. I mean, that's definitely going to have to be the name, isn't it? The sex number episode. I think so. I don't know what else it would be. Just a, a deep dive into the history of Laser Suit Larry. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know if I can. I don't know if I mentally can. Yeah, that's that's fair. It's this is what I mean. There's a th- there's a threatening aura about it. Because I aura. don't I don't just want to do a normal podcast. Mm-hmm. It it demands attention and it has to uh, be an abnormal podcast. Yeah, a little bit. Do we just play a bunch of dating simulators? I mean, that's much better than Leisure Suit Larry. There's a lot of shit that is not tight in Leisure Suit Larry. So anyway, send in your best dating simulators, and we'll try and play those. I guess. Yeah, let us know. Let us know if you got a good one. <laughs> if you got a real top hit, a real good one, a real banger, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Oh, no. Come on. Oh, no. <laughs> that was worth a giggle, something. <laughs> is this preemptive 69th episode energy? Is that is that why it's a threatening aura? A threatening I'm just, presence? I, I have to gear up. This is not my normal modus operandi, so I have to really, like get get moving and grooving on this before we get there yeah you're you're getting your uh your wet your whistle a little bit ah the implication yeah getting your chops loose as they say chops loose is a little bit easier for me to be okay with with than wetting my whistle wetting your whistle is worse than chops loose chops loose doesn't feel again not quite as threatening not quite as blue <laughs> oh David. hey i looked it up chase. it's a thing chase is right blue is a thing <laughs> chase is vindicated Thank you, everyone, what for a guy. your words of support. What a guy. Speaking of uh, Blue, hey, it's Video Game Podtimism. It is the Optimus Video Game Variety Show where two best friends talk about the wonderful world of gaming, and my name is Chase. And my name is David. And we're here, and we're best friends, and we're talking about video games. We sure are. So happy to be here. Love this podcast. It's fun. What a, what a day. What a great what time. A day. Look, Look at, at us. Um... <laughs> David, have you been playing video games? Did we say look at us at the same time? It, uh, it wasn't on my end, but I bet it was on yours. It sounded pretty close. I'll line it up in ours and then put some like nice music behind it. So it put sounds some like Paul we're... Rudd in there. <laughs> I'll also put Paul Rudd behind us. <laughs> um, have you been playing those video games? I've been playing video game, Chase. I'm a dirty Hades boy and that's it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Bring it on. Tell me about it. I beat it. I, br- I guess I rolled credits. I'm not yeah. done. 
I'm, I yeah. sense that there is still much more to do and to see. Yep, that's probably true. So I don't feel like this story ends that nicely. There's got to be some I more think, strife in there. I think there is like that is sort of the canonical ending what you got to. Um, like if you ended there, that's kind of a clean end to the narrative, but there's still a lot of stuff to sort of like explore and see like the, the family dynamic as mm-hmm. it were. Yeah. There's more hidden aspects to unlock. Yeah. I got to figure out what Skelly is keeping underneath those, those curtains, those sheets. You might want to look that up. It's a little bit underwhelming. <laughs> and like, yeah. So like if you st- really struggle for it and then get there and you're like, oh, that's so you really got to turn the heat up yeah no it's intense so maybe just check to see what the first one is and see if that's something you're interested in like grinding for okay because because yeah it's (laughs) it's one of the it's it is a rare spot in an otherwise totally rewarding game Mm. where like it might not necessarily be something you need to go do yeah okay good good looking out pro tip gamer gamer tip what was the thing we were doing a while ago real gamer facts when we talked about like positive affirmations and shit. Oh yeah, gamer facts. Gamer facts, yeah. Gamer facts might not be worth it to get that. I've been warned. Sure. Yeah, so Hades, excellent. Chef's Kiss, five out of five. Yeah. Great game. Even if you don't like roguelikes, play this game. It's very yeah. good. And then Rocket League. So yeah, I'm you're back at it. I'm ready to I'm ready to branch out this coming week mm. into some new games. Um what did you uh, what did you think about like the story of Hades overall? Like how did that wrap up for you? I thought it was good. Yeah. It wasn't anything like groundbreaking. Sure. But it was interesting enough to keep me going through each playthrough mm. to see how things played out. Really, the, the thing that makes the story enjoyable is the voice acting, I think, because mm-hmm. people really kind of bring their A game yeah. uh, for all of it. Yeah, the story was, you know, probably not the strongest part of the game, but sure, good enough to keep me going. Really, it's like the character dynamics that keep you going as opposed to just like the story of yeah what's going to happen here. Yeah, the A yeah. plot isn't necessarily the thing keeping you there, but rather like the writing and the people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I agree that like the the method at which in which the story plays out and like how literally the words that are said I think are more interesting than like what's up with Hades or what's up with your mom or stuff like that. Yeah. So versus like the interactions between different people and the different characters and like how that occurs on like a run to run basis. Like how is this person going to react to me giving them a nectar? Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, Two exactly. Nectars, like, three nectars. What happens? Or like being beaten by Megara and her coming and kind of talking shit on you the next time you run into her or like any of that stuff. Is... She has such a good mean girl voice. Absolutely. Yeah, it's very, it's very good. There's something about just the way she she ends some of her words with just kind of like this disgust like <laughs> kind of noise i'm like damn yeah. that's a good mean girl voice i know it's really good I, I, again all the all the voice actors and actresses did did great in in the uh the game they all really sold whatever role they were in mm-hmm. good game good game good video game play it if you haven't it's a good one yeah for real um any any other sort of final thoughts? I imagine this is maybe the last time we talk about Hades with you. It's just a great mixture of different inputs to make each run through feel different, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Depending on the keepsake, depending on the weapon, the aspect of the weapon, the boons you get, the other upgrades you get. It's mm-hmm. just every I played. I've been through forty run throughs, and each one played differently. Yeah, um, that's true. And interacted with the game differently. So that's really impressive that they were able to do that. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, sometimes if, they, if games do just random, totally random boons, mm-hmm. it just gets, for some reason, stuck with the same ones over and over again. Yeah. But you got a lot of, you get to choose from a lot of different things that really make it feel fresh each time. Yeah. Really great. Keeps, keeps you going. 
and it's oh so good on handheld mode. It's yeah, so Switch good is on unreal. Mode. My God, yeah. like the perfect handheld mode game. Yeah, I'm playing a lot of uh, Returnal right now, and it's pretty interesting seeing sort of the comparisons between those two games because they do mm-hmm. share a fair amount of like structure and how their narrative plays out as far as like being tied very directly to being a roguelike. Mm-hmm. I think especially with the game balance stuff, I think Hades really benefited from being an early access, like a game. Mm-hmm. I've played a lot of games that are in early access that are it seems like maybe it's an excuse to just sort of like get free bug tests out of players or like or or alternatively one that's like well this is pretty much a done game at this point Mm -hmm. like what essentially why are we in early access here is this just sort of an an excuse for something else but i think um hades did a really good job with it because they they went into early access at a point where it felt like they essentially just needed to tune the numbers a little bit. Mm. And they just, they the the balance of the game is just so, so good. Where, like you were saying, it feels like every run is like significant. Nothing ever feels like you're repeating yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, just all of that stuff has been f- so finely honed. And when I played it, I had played it a little bit in early access, like back in the day. I think it was like free on the Epic Game Store or something for a second. Oh, wow. And so like I'd played it then. You only get up to Theseus in the, uh, in the version that I played. Mm. And I don't think the story was there as much. But the, the sheer difference in like just that version of the game versus like 1.0 is like a stark, stark contrast. Mm. And I think something like Returnal probably could have benefited from like at least six months in early access just on the, sure. the balance side of things because the game is there right like the the fun part of it is there mm-hmm. it's just like where where Hades succeeds on the balance aspect of it of feeling like the boons are always significant um you mm-hmm. always feel like you're just on the cusp of being totally unbeatable yeah and like all that sort of stuff and like the way that the the enemies sort of scale with you in a way that's satisfying Returnal isn't quite there yet as far as like the balance goes it's not to say mm-hmm. it's bad at all I think just like it goes to show that there is a way to do early access well mm-hmm. um in a way that like really benefits the people who are going to play it eventually yeah i wish more games did it but i understand why a big flagship sony first party title did not do early access they try to make money off that baby I yeah, don't think it does. you make as much if you do early access, right? I don't know. I, I guess there's an argument to be made for either one because like I'd be willing to bet Hades sold a lot more than Returnal has. Mm. And I would suspect that is in no small part because the game itself is so good that like there are just so yeah. many people playing it that are like, holy shit, this is incredible um, that it like boosted sales. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is sort of a hard metric to compare it against. Like not every game is going to be that good. Mm-hmm. And so I get why Sony would want to say like, hey, let's uh, just put this game out rather than trying to put it in early access and kind of give away our hand or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But still, I think Supergiant did a really good call with putting it in early access. It's just such a phenomenal video game. It's it's great. It's so good. Um. So yeah, Any anything else on Hades? I don't think so. Except that I love Cerberus. Absolutely. He's a good boy. Just needs those satyr sacks. That's it. I'm really glad that they didn't make you fight him. I was so bummed. I was like, <laughs> am I going to have to kill my dog? Yeah. They're like, nah, he's your pet. He's yeah. a homie. Just he's feed good, him. Yeah. Just give him some food. He'll be all right. He's a good boy. That's a good boy. <laughs> That's a good boy. All of a sudden, you just become Arthur Morgan. <laughs> Get the boon of a good six shooter. <laughs> the boon of the Wild West. Go the to chaos. Of, <laughs> the boon of just one more mission, Dutch. <laughs> chaos gives you the curse of cholera. <laughs> you get like a good I got the art- consumption. <laughs> you got a good motivation, but damn, cholera sucks. It will get you. <laughs> yeah. But if you do well enough, you get to become, what was it, like an eagle? 
was that the good one and the coyote was the bad one at the end of the game there was they would show you like uh or was a stag or something like that i think was the good one was this in red dead yeah there was there a morality system in red dead i just totally yeah marking this out of my brain (laughs) yeah dude (laughs) i don't remember this at all that's totally part of it oh my god there were so many systems in this video game there were a lot of systems in that video game but if you were like the good guy yeah at the end it would when he's like having his yeah if you were a good guy it would show i think a stag i think Mm -hmm. and if you were bad it would show a coyote yeah it was a it was a stag god i don't remember this at all probably you got the you probably got the coyote the yote or it's a wolf low honor it's a coyote not a wolf nah man i was i was lots of honor arthur morgan i was not playing that as a wild west boy so you must have gotten you must have gotten the stag then i I think so but i don't remember this at all did we do an episode on red dead was that one of our test episodes it might have been one of our test episodes i think i don't think we published that no i don't think so probably got it hidden away in some dark corner of some (laughs) dark corner of your hard drive (laughs) arthur morgan that's my best Arthur Morgan impersonation. Does he? I don't think he ever says his name, so I don't really know what that sounds like. That's a good girl. It's just Dutch yelling, Arthur. That's pretty good Dutch. <laughs> Stick to the plan, Arthur. Pretty good. You can, like, he, you can hear his mustache in the way that he talks. <laughs> he does. That's why he says Arthur, not Arthur, because he gets a little whisker stuck in his mouth when he says it. <laughs> Arthur. Dutch can't pronounce his T's. Too much snoot, too much stash. <laughs> Where'd Jose go? <laughs> that was the weirdest name i mean dutch is a pretty weird name too sorry all the dutch and joseas that listen to this pod i'm sorry i didn't mean to put you on blast like that all zero of you i'm assuming i don't know man maybe there's one garen goes by dutch dutch anyway so there's all the video games you've been playing that's it cool what about you what have you been playing i've been playing video games david how many how many can you tell me how many first um four four video games all right cool so uh here is your weekly returnal check-in okay um i am close to stopping playing returnal um (laughs) here's your check-in i'm almost (laughs) not gonna play it anymore it is it has become so difficult to to a point that is uh becoming less and less fun i think sure it's it's so hard to tune for difficulty and i think like i don't know if i'm just not learning the lessons the game wants me to learn or what but um i am really getting beaten down in this video game sure i've made it to like the fifth biome i think once you once you get halfway through the game and you beat like the third boss um you just restart in the fourth biome every time which is like i won't spoil anything but anyway it's yeah it's the fourth biome and so i've gotten through there to the fifth one Mm -hmm. i have yet to make it to the boss of that section at all damn like just can't even get there there's a handful of enemies that'll show up that like function to like sort of really get up close and personal with you they have like Mm -hmm. swords and shit so they'll try and get at you and those guys just kick my ass every time i run into them um it'll put you in a room with like two or three of them and it's just i don't i must be doing something wrong because i just get slashed and fucked up every single time and like the the game is such that i think this is kind of typical roguelike but like they'll do a slash and it'll take away like half my health damn and like i i the game definitely wants you to not get hit like it encourages you to not get hit at all Mm -hmm. you get these like adrenaline points for how many enemies you kill without being hit at all and so like it's encouraging you like please just don't just don't get struck but uh yeah it's it's pretty punishing whenever it it slaps you upside the head the story is really like pretty interesting and i think what has spurred me into thinking that i might not want to continue playing it is just that uh Mm. 
I've been very tempted to just look at YouTube and be like, <laughs> uh, what happens? Give me in this the story. Video I don't want the game. Kind of. Yeah. Like I've, I've gotten to a point where I feel like I myself have hit my limit of what I feel like I can do in this. And beyond this point, I would have to like make this the game that I am playing. Chase. I have to go plus ultra. Yes, Chase. That's exactly what I was going to say. You have to go plus ultra. Yeah. And this is what it looks like to go even further beyond. It's time to go SSJ3, Bubbity. Bubbity? Bubbity. Bubbity. That's your That's new a- name, is Bubbity. <laughs> oh, Bibbity, Bubbity, Boo. Bubbity is powerful. <laughs> it's got, yeah, it's definitely got some old ancient runes in there. Yeah. It feels good. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if I will continue playing it. I kind of, I don't know. I'm, I'm of two minds of it. I do want to keep doing it, but I just wish it was like one tick easier. Mm. It feels like much more punishing than Dark Souls can be. Mm. I think because like Dark Souls plays with this back and forth of like, you'll get farther in a level and like there's sort of this like risk reward of like, man, I have a lot of souls and I'm pretty mm-hmm. far, but like maybe I should just go take these and level up or something. Yeah. Um, or yeah, go yeah. increase my gear. But this one really doesn't. Like if you get really far and get beat, like sucks to suck is pretty much what the game says. You're out, huh? Um, yeah. Like you can get some items that like carry over from one run to the next, but they're not that significant. Mm. Like they're not like the boons where you're like, oh damn, that's going to change up my whole thing. It's like, yeah, you do like 5% more damage or you get a little bit more health or something like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's just kind of kicking my ass. Dang. So yeah, I think it is tough. And like, I I really don't want to like burn in this game. That's not my intention with bringing up that I might not continue, but just like, I think the main point of it is like, this is a pretty fucking difficult game. And I don't know if buyer beware is the right thing. I think I'm more just interested at coming at it from the perspective of like, what does the tuning of this difficulty do for how this game is played and like Mm -hmm. how the story is expressed, which is slowly (laughs) the story is being expressed slowly. Do you feel like you're near the end at all? I bet there is, in fact, I'm sure there is a sixth biome I bet that boss from that area is the end of the game. Mm. Um, So I don't think I'm too far. I bet that I could get to the fifth biomes boss, um, but I haven't haven't fought that thing. So I don't know if it would kick my ass immediately or not. Yeah. Um, So I don't know. I I, I don't know. I, I feel like, again, if this was the only game I was playing, if this is literally the only thing I owned, I could probably get there. But like, so they're video games, baby. I got stuff. I got video games I want to play. <laughs> I'm not a one game kind of guy. No, man, I'm busy. I'm be I'm busy. <laughs> um, I, I feel you. I feel you. Do your thing. Um, so there's that. Also, the ne- the, the next game, uh, it's called Resident Evil Eight. Still in the Resident Eve. Yeah, uh, played that. I started playing that in the last podcast. I've now beaten it. Mm. Not a particularly long game. Yeah, which is fine. I'm I'm definitely on the side of like if you have ten hours of game, please make ten hours of game and mm-hmm. not like twenty or thirty. Don't try to fill it. No, like I'm I'm I, I get why people get upset about that of like oh shit I spent sixty dollars on this and like anybody has to make their own value proposition for like what game they want to spend their money on. But like I I really didn't have a problem with it being short. I think it was it it sort of got in and got out and did what it wanted to do. So there's that. Uh, it's let's see so. I am going to keep this non-spoilery because this is a super new game. Mm-hmm. It, gets, <laughs> it gets very action-oriented towards the latter half of the game. Mm, classic Resident Evil. I was going to say, that's pretty Resident Evil-y. Mm-hmm. Like the remakes that I played, 2 and 3, I think it was 
earlier last year and then the year before that like you're getting rocket launchers and shit by the end of those games like mm-hmm. it's very typical that the end of the game is pretty bananas we uh, scares you a lot so here's your power fantasy guys yeah exactly and even in like I, I think resident evil 4 was more on the side of the shooting stuff mm-hmm. than the horror stuff but even still like the end of that one was even nuttier Oh, no, there were some pretty scary things in Resident Evil 4. Definitely scary, but I think like it leaned a little bit more into like the action shooter than yeah, the spooky true. scary. Very true. But yeah, I think it's it's definitely in line with the other Resident Evils that have been scary for the first half and kind of more actiony towards the, the, the latter half. What else do I want to say about this game? Ethan Winters, still not my boy. Still not my favorite boy. <laughs> Just a basic guy, huh? Just a pretty basic dude. The game really wants me to like him and really wants me to like treat him with a lot of like respect and reverence. Um, really? So this, yes, the scenes sometimes are played like, oh my God, Ethan Winters. And he's just... Is he like a known thing? He's like a cool guy or something? I mean, not to me. (laughs) I don't really think on the internet either. Like, it's not like people are like, oh, hell yeah, dude, fucking Ethan Winter's so cool. So I didn't... Such a boring name, too. Yeah. Anyway, I I won't go too deep into it. If we we want to talk about the story at some point, we can. But um, it's... uh, It was interesting enough. And I think, like, it delivered on the promise of a Resident Evil video game. Mm. Um, Like I said, I think with 7, there was a little bit of depth that I found not really there yeah and i think that does come in the the form of like i want to fight some zombies or i want something to just kind of fill the palette between like big big boss encounters Mm -hmm. there's like a world for that kind of game but like i think fighting the baker family wasn't necessarily the shadow of the colossus of resident evil games it didn't feel quite as satisfying as like oops all bosses yeah yeah but um this one had a little bit more in between and like like i said last time i think the the four sections of the game that you're able to go to and fight these different like bosses and people allows for these pretty big tone switches that don't come off as like unearned or weird it's it's able to turn from one kind of game into another kind of game very quickly and it doesn't overstay its welcome they're they're essentially like hour to two hour little vignettes of of video games that like you know the first one's kind of classic resident evil and the second Mm -hmm. one's a little more like pt and then the uh, third one i guess is like kind of resident evil 4 and then the fourth one is a little bit closer to resident evil 4 resident evil 5 and all that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff so yeah it's it's able to like sort of change how it functions without it being like what the fuck is going on in this video game it's like Mm -hmm. this is a different place you have to approach it differently so um i found that interesting and like pretty enjoyable so yeah i think if you were going to play these two games i think you don't necessarily need to play seven there is like a recap that you can go through Mm -hmm. um but i think eight is definitely the better of those like two of this like first person sort of resident Evil game good to know good to know yeah i think you would enjoy it it's overall like a pretty fun experience that like is almost demanding that you not take it that seriously which mm. i kind of appreciate it's it, it knows it's a video game in some ways <laughs> there's parts of it that don't but like i think overall they're trying to emulate a kind of game and probably a kind of movie too mm. um, that isn't always sure. super self-serious there's parts of it that are but like you know the action parts are pretty ridiculous people are pretty quippy and like don't act like normal human beings would in any of these situations yeah but it's, it's fucking zombie shooting like what do you want is zombies <laughs> you shoot some zombies you're gonna yeah. have a good time um so there's that there's that video game i have also been playing silicon dreams silicon dreams silicon dreams are you uh, are you elon musk <laughs> you are not elon musk you are an android whoa um so silicon dreams is like this like indie game that came out recently silicon dreams is made by it appears clockwork bird which is a game company 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the case. It says the developer's Clockwork Bird and then also lists James Patton, who I believe is also working Clockwork Bird. So it looks like this is just kind of a smaller game development company, what looks to be two dudes. I assume there's probably more people involved with this, but that that's what their website lists. Uh-huh. So this is a, I don't know if interaction interactive fiction is the right word, but it is an indie game where you are an android tar- trying to assess if these other androids that you're interviewing need to be released, reconfigured, or decommissioned. That is sort of the main crux of these. these so le- you're interviewing androids as an android. That's correct, yeah. Okay. Um, you're looking for you work for like a, a big, you know, mega corp or whatever that is manufacturing androids and you are trying to like suss out um, if one of them are defective or if they're working fine or if um, they like essentially are so beyond repair that they need to be decommissioned. Mm-hmm. It plays out a lot like Papers, Please. I think they wear that influence definitely on their sleeve. Sure. And like, this is definitely my shit. <laughs> like this is this is a kind of game that is right up my alley. Chase Alby game. Absolutely. Indie I like game. I really liked Papers, Please. Um, the like big project that we did at school was like very much taking after that game. And so mm-hmm. like it's it's pretty fun to play another game that's like in that genre. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like essentially the way that this plays out from level to level is that you are uh, in direct contact with these other androids and you're essentially asking them questions and their, I guess like vital signs are being monitored. There's like a um, some kind of device that monitors their feelings at any given moment, which is pretty fun. So you can ask like questions that will, you know, either trigger an angry response or a happy response or anything huh. like that. And so the the questions that you're being tasked with answering all, are all pretty interesting, right? Like you'll get your brief before and it'll say like, okay, here are the questions that we want answered by the end of this interview. It's like, can this uh, android experience both joy and sadness at the same time? Or uh, does this android experience 100% anger? Or something like that. Whoa. And so these interview questions that you'll ask them will trigger responses out of them. So you're trying to provoke these androids. In a way, I, I think there there are more logistical questions of like, is this is this android defective in some way? Mm. Um, and much like Papers, Please, your accuracy and your choice of action um, is reflective on you. Like you get a performance review and it's like, hey, this android actually had this thing wrong with it and you should have decommissioned it or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I think you know, that that part of it is interesting. You get to experience this like push and pull of, you know, uh, maybe being more lenient on this android because they tell sort of a story that you empathize with or mm-hmm. you think like doesn't necessarily constitute something that should be decommissioned or whatever. But then also you have to suffer the consequences if if you do that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. obviously, you know, the plot sort of evolves from there. So again, you very killing sentient beings, Chase. Pretty much, right? Like they literally have Some a feeling. Some Westworld shit going on in here. Yeah, it's it's fun, right? Like it's uh, uh, definitely got a Blade Runner-y sort of vibe to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a good game. Like I... Like I said, I, I this is right up my alley. I love these sort of like sort of experimental indie games where they're asking a question and responding to it with mechanics that are kind of non-typical. You know, just interviewing an Android is a pretty a pretty fun swing for yeah. for how to Different build a game. game. Yeah. You know, it's it's not like the very first kind of this game. Like I said, Papers Please has mm-hmm. been around for a while and I, then, you know, there are games that look like this, but this one sort of hit my radar and was pretty enjoyable. I think the writing's pretty good and like the art style is is interesting enough that it's like kind of keeps you there. So yeah, I, I just wanted to shout it out because I'm really enjoying the the concept and sort of the game itself. Good one. Yeah, goody. Indie Good pick it. of the week. Indie pick of the week. What's up? Mm-hmm. And then my last game that I'm playing, uh, mm-hmm. also a pretty indie game. Um, it's this game called Mass Effect. Oh, 
Big, big video game, David. Big, big. My like, goodness. Grande. Grande-sized video game. Ooh, so good. So the uh, legendary edition of Mass Effect just came out, for uh, those of you who might not know. Uh, Mass Effect is like a third-person kind of shootery game, and a lot of it is like RPG-based. There's a lot of like dialogue choices and mm-hmm. RPG-ish stuff. It is a space game. Say, it's all in space with oh. aliens. <laughs> mama mia, I love this shit. Oh, mama mia. So, uh, yeah, this, so when was, I think Mass Effect 1 came out in like 2006, 2007, something like that. There was like, it was one of the games in like that era that like came out among like Bioshock, Halo 2, Mass Effect, and like just an explosion Mm -hmm. of like very good video games right in there. Very good like sci-fi games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I think Mass Effect 2, I'm pretty sure came out in 2010, and then 3 was a couple of years after that. I don't exactly remember how long it was. So yeah, I had played all of these games at least once back in the day, uh, and they just put out a remastered version of all three of them together with all the DLC, which I'm thrilled about. I didn't play a lot of those, so Mm -hmm. very Mm -hmm. stoked. I didn't play any of the DLC, yeah. Yeah, um, there's a lot of characters in there that I... (laughs) like was not familiar with yeah in two especially like the character select screen is gigantic oh they had a lot of dlc for number two didn't they yeah I'm pretty sure there's like three or four characters that i just like have not seen before that like Liara becomes like a power broker or something like that she comes uh yeah the shadow broker in fact. shadow broker that's right oh my god so it's good. so good uh <laughs> we are in number one in my heart always yeah i'll, I'll get there i'll get there um <laughs> There's like a, uh, I think there's like a, a Prothean that you can um, recruit as one of your team members into Whoa. as DLC. Yeah, that's like, cool. Seems like a pretty significant part of the story to put in DLC. Yeah, like they like, knew it, how it, to get you. Yeah, I mean they did, they did. So, uh, Mass Effect. This game is so fucking good, David. Every one of them <laughs> is unbelievably good. Yeah, they just didn't miss with Mass Effect. Really though, like it's it's crazy. I probably I said that and a, a thousand million keyboards started typing furiously at me about the ending of Mass Effect 3, but we're going to keep going. Yeah, we're going to keep going. I'll, I'll get to that once I beat the third one. I like I was definitely not on board with how much hate was coming out of the Internet. Yeah, I'm as, with you on as that demonstrated one. by our entire podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on the same page. Yeah. Uh, so I uh, started with Mass Effect 1 played through that it is not a particularly long game like if you do the main quest like you can get through in about 20 hours it's not huge. No, it's not bad at all no i did a little bit of the side quest but kind of found it like repeat being a little bit repetitive some of them are very similar environments sort of you know not copy pasted but reused a lot of the assets which is like fine right like i, I have nothing against that but i was like i think i'm i think i'm kind of good so got through the majority of one or like all of it got through the the main story of one mm-hmm. i was i was talking to jazz about this over the weekend because we were talking about this game and like i feel like i was just like asleep at the wheel the last couple times i played mass effect one really there's so much story that like i just didn't even get story so good it's so phenomenal like that's i i definitely remember the a plot right like all the stuff with saren and the reapers is like mm-hmm. very much front of mind but like they introduce so much lore about like the quarians and the asari and shit like that and the Turians and all that stuff Ooh, you took me to a place by saying all those <laughs> different races right there man I, i'm not positive that i even went to talk to tali in the first like run through i did of this game like ever i i must have like said what's up but like i was just getting so much that i was like i didn't like i thought so uh, for background one of the alien races uh the quarians are like this race of uh aliens 
that they were on a home planet for a while. Um, they invented the Geth as a way to like, I think, use as like workers. Yeah. But they found out that when enough Geth gather in one place, they start to have this like shared consciousness. And it's like not necessarily that any individual Geth is like a smart, highly intelligent being, but when they're all together, it sort of forms that. Mm -hmm. And so like all at once they were like, oh shit, this is really bad. We need to like shut them down before we like make a bigger problem than we've already created. And the Geth were like, no. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, Look let's not do that. Look at me. And, and uh, the Koreans ended up like losing that war with the mm -hmm. these like robots. And as a result, space they had to lads. like, yeah, they like turned into these like spacefaring uh, folks who like only live on these like very isolated and highly, they, they don't allow a lot of outsiders into these ships because they're all xenophobic. So, it's, I think. I think the main issue is that they're all very sensitive to disease. That's why they wear all of those like huge armor suits and shit like that. That's because they're like, not really xenophobic. They're just cautious. Yeah. Like they, they get sick very easily and die as a result. So like, it's just not safe for them to be outside of those suits. Organic I, life forms, man. <laughs> very squishy. What can you do with them? Can't live with them. Can't live without them. <laughs> so yeah, missed all of that. The first couple of times I played. Dang. Like I got, at, I think it's in three, you go to one of these ships and you like talk with Tali's family, I think. Mm -hmm. I just was like, oh, they must have, you know, just, they mu that must have been in an audio log or something like that. I'm sure they introduced you, this, but. You, you'd really miss the whole, the whole trilogy. You missed that aspect of, of the until I Until I was on the fucking ship. Oh, I man. Was like, yeah, Davey, exactly. where have you been? I know, That was dude. such a big moment when you go onto the ship because you've never seen it before. You're like, oh, this yeah. is going to be tight. Yeah, it's a big deal. And like, mm -hmm. and you know, if you haven't been building to that, it's like, well, I guess it's just a ship. But yeah, I think like... <laughs> you were such a chud. I, I was just going to say... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to talk about how <laughs> this game is so fucking phenomenal because it allows for both the 16-year-old chud to play this game and just be like, I don't care. I just want to shoot the geth. And also the 30 year old me who's like, damn, the Koreans are cool. That's a mm -hmm. wild swing that they just did. That's a cool story. Uh, and it has room for both, which is just crazy. Like mm -hmm. usually these games like you only get one, right? Like it's either yeah. fucking call of duty or, you know, Silicon dreams or something like that. Like it's, it's either very story oriented or not, but like, good God, it has room for both of these. It's just an unbelievable game. Mass effect. I like, kind of forgot just how much i like this because mm -hmm. um, i think i would probably list this as like some of the best video games that i've played oh for for certain for certain. yeah and i don't really return to it all that often i think i've replayed these games probably once each i don't think i've replayed any of them i think yeah. it's gonna have to be something i i get and play through because man it's worth it the they updated one a little bit to the point where it sort of sanded off the really harsh edges that's what I was hearing that they they streamlined it a little bit because I remember that yeah. one was much more was closer to an RPG than a shooter. It feels a lot more like uh, Knights of the Old Republic, their previous game. When are they gonna remake that? I know. I hope they do, or just like make a third one. That'd be fucking rad. That'd be cool too. Uh, it feels a lot closer to that than like I. So I, I started playing two. I think it was yesterday, and it's just like so immediately a leap forward compared to one mm -hmm. and like that's again not to say that one is bad by any measure it's still so so good even you know 15 years later but like two is just such a step up two is the, uh, two is my favorite i think it is as well for me I, i'll need to play three pretty much right after to compare but like two it's it's definitely that like middle movie syndrome of like the threat is out there but you don't necessarily need to solve it this game 
Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of room for like kind of meandering and character development and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, it introduces Morden Solus, who I thought was in the first one, but isn't. He's in the second one. Morden's a bro. He's like one of the best characters in this game, dude. It's mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. In a cast of already incredible characters, this dude is just unreal. Rex was always my favorite. Rex is great. And like his, his story too is just wild. Like, again, I, I missed so much of this, David. <laughs> in in like this uh no once more that in the first one um rex is like just sort of a bounty hunter like he's going around yeah. collect like he's a, a mercenary uh-huh. Uh-huh. and like you talk to him and like some of his side stories are crazy like he was hanging out on tachanka for a little while the like tachanka <laughs> big the- tachanka <laughs> big tachanka it's uh the <laughs> krogan homeworld of which rex is a member of that race Mm -hmm. and uh he's talking about like and essentially like his his race of people are like mostly warrior based creatures like they live and die for glory right like they're just big hulking dudes who like want to fight and a lot of their culture is based around that yeah they're big like Um, reptile creatures yeah yeah. and they're great too like it, it doesn't mean that they're like dumb or anything it's it's just sort of centered around like that's that's a big part of their like structure Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, you go through like a side story and like he's talking about like, oh, yeah, back before this, I was trying to unify the clans on my homeworld because we're like very few in number because of this thing called the genophage, which mostly made most of their uh, newborns stillborns, uh, which is like mm-hmm. so brutal and so intense. Uh, and there's like a whole bunch of shit about that in the third one, which I won't go into quite yet. But it's uh, yeah. So he's like, you know, I was trying to unify all the clans there. Um, and you know, one of the other leaders, uh, was really not okay with me doing that. We really came to blows over it. And like, he doesn't even say it at first, but it's like his dad is the other like leader of these clans Mm -hmm. and they eventually have to fight. And I think Rex kills him. If I remember correctly, I don't remember it. it, it, That part is a little fuzzy. I'm not sure if he actually did kill him or not, but they definitely fought in like a place that was uh, holy for them. Essentially. Yeah. They're holy battleground. Yeah. No, no Krogan is supposed to, uh, fight there essentially. Mm-hmm. And so like this, this whole story plays out about like him having the instinct to go and unify the clans and be a leader, but essentially being outcast from that group. And like just the writing there is unbelievable that they're yeah. able to do this. So good. Did you it's, miss that the first time you played it? Absolutely missed it. No idea. Oh my God. There's like a whole side quest where you go retrieve like Rex's her uh, armor from like his grandpa. Yeah. Didn't do that at all. Oh, totally missed so it. so much of the good bits. <laughs> I know. Again, I think I was just like getting through the simplest, fastest dialogue I possibly could. You were just all eyes on Ashley. <sighs> Dude, we have to talk about Ashley. It's a problem. <laughs> I'm such a chud, man. 16 Florida old- girl goes to space. Dude, it's so it's such a bummer she so ashley is one of the human characters in this game that you recruit pretty early on and like she's very hesitant about other aliens to the point of like being pretty shitty about it legitimately xenophobic yeah yeah and like i don't know what the first time i was just like oh yeah ashley great i'm very excited to romance her in this video game mm-hmm. and like upon second or i guess third viewing now i'm like oh my god like yeah She's horrendous. <laughs> She's got really ugly and disrespectful and hurtful beliefs about all these other aliens, like most of whom on the ship are totally cool, totally respectful, always level headed. And like, you know, they may have problems, but rarely is there anything that like really comes to blows or anything. Yeah, she's definitely the worst. Yeah. Um, 
So I can't, I can't believe that that's who I was just head over heels for the first playthrough. So now, now it's me and Liara. I'm, I'm romancing Liara. She's got a way, way more interesting story. A man of culture, I see. <laughs> I've texted a few people about that, and that is the response I've gotten multiple times, <laughs> is a man of culture. I mean, she's high class, baby. She, it's just so much more interesting. Like, the Asari are a way more fascinating people. Mm-hmm. Plus, like, they talk about, like, how you, like, mind meld with Asaris whenever you, like, form a bond with them. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Love that. Anyway... So, yeah, uh, Mass Effect. It's a phenomenal fucking video game. I will continue talking about it because I'm definitely going to keep playing it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the only other thing I wanted to mention about it uh, was that it is very weird experiencing this game as like a throwback or a nostalgia trip. It does. I'm not sure if it's just because the game design is it feels fairly modern to me, Mm. but uh, I've seen people say like, oh, it's so nostalgic, like the music on the map. And so it just reminds me of the old days. I'm like, it doesn't feel that old to me, but I'm sure there is a kid who played this when they were 10. And now that they're 20, they're like, damn, this is an old game. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's very weird to, to play it under that context. But it's almost more interesting to me because I don't have the sort of just like deep nostalgia goggles that come with playing a game that when you're 10 like yeah. i would have a hard time booting up star fox 64 and giving that any sort of critical eye because i just love loved and loved that game i'm a fox in space i, I am fox mcleod cool <laughs> cool fox space boy versus like this game came out when i was like not an adult but not far from it and so it's it's a lot more interesting to go back and just be able to look at the game design and look at like what they were saying and doing and sort of the themes of the of the series as a whole which i haven't quite nailed on yet so i do want to keep digging for that mm-hmm. what mass effect is saying and i'm not exactly sure yet it's uh it's a it's a fucking phenomenal video game i can't so believe good. that it exists at all yeah it's really great world's yeah. better a place for it seriously anyway this will bring me to my pod thing of the week david which is it is the vehicle named the mako the david. mako <laughs> so good uh this is the weird big tank thing that you drive in mass effect one weird it's kind of like a transport vehicle it's an all-terrain sort of thing all-terrain yeah except lava and water can't go in there of course so in mass effect one there's a bunch of sections where you like essentially get to go like move through a vehicle and like go other places there's like two situations where that comes up either it's like this pre-scripted like hallway essentially that you have to drive through to like mm-hmm. get from one place to another where there's like geth between you and the the other end of the hallway. Yeah. And those are fine. Uh, and then there's uh, other sections where you just will like land on a planet and have to go like search and muck around and look at shit. But you're you're landing in your Mako. So there's that. Uh, it is pretty much universally panned as like the worst part of the video game. Yeah. Um, I, don't, <laughs> I don't necessarily disagree. Um, it is uh frustrating to control it was more frustrating to control before it's Mm -hmm. not perfect and i probably wouldn't even say good (laughs) now yeah but uh they made it a little yeah they they made it a little bit heavier so like you're not flipping all over the place you still do that but not quite as much Mm -hmm. uh they give it a boost so you can go a little bit faster and uh you can heal yourself while you're moving which was not a thing before so some some improvements around the edges anyway i just i just love this big beautiful bastard it is a a disgusting mechanic totally unneeded and unnecessary like they removed it in mass effect 2 and it's nearly like it is just as good and definitely better than mass effect 1 yeah um it's just like probe and mind planets in mass effect 2 right oh yeah baby 
you're probing your mind i i love the little mini game where you have to like go find the little vibration points on a planet and it's like ooh, lots of ore there and send down a little mm. drone mm. <laughs> it's all just right. it's so stupid all, right. all the like this is total sidebar from Pontimistic thing. All the little descriptions of the planets that you can pull up where it's so like, detailed. this planet was formed by this other collision of this astral body. Uh, it's uh, 1.2 Earth years to orbit its local sun. I love it. I read every single one of these mm-hmm. just like, ooh, that's a long day. That's a very long day <laughs> on this planet. Huh? I, I'm, a lot of them are just like gas giants and shit like that. But there's other ones where like, there's a little colony in this one. It's like, oh, that's very cool. I love this very much. Mm-hmm. It just, it makes it feel so much more real and interesting. Adds to the depth of the of the world. The world building yeah. in those games is just top Crazy. of the line. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's very good. So I, I love all of those. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love the fucking Mako. It's it's gross and doesn't control well, and it's doing the best it can. <laughs> and and I love, love that little you I love, love that little bastard for all it. All right, yeah. all right, good. Do you have something fueling your sense of podimism, David? Yeah, it's a good animal companion. Have we done this? I don't know, maybe, but it's what I'm feeling. I don't know if it's animal companion, but a good dog in particular. Sure enough. I think you've done animals in video games as both enemy, friend, and foe, mm. but an animal companion is different than that. It is. And I'm a good dog specifically. Who are you thinking? Um, Cerberus is the one that sure. really made me start thinking about it because I just loved yeah. petting him every single time I would go back to the house of, the house of Hades. She's yeah, got sure. to give Cerberus a couple scratches. Yeah, see what's up. Go on with your time. Um, it got me thinking about other good dogs in games. What other good, what other good dogs are you thinking about? Fable 2? Yes, good you dog. Your dog. Yep. Dog would like help you find things and the dog got... Did the dog die at the end? I think it did. The dog died. It's it's a cheap it's a cheap way of making you feel bad in a video game. I remember him getting shot right in the face as he was trying to protect me pretty vividly. Yeah. But I don't remember if you'd like travel into the past and save him or something. Because at that point you like get taken to jail out in like this big spire in the ocean. I think that's what happens in that oh, game. Yeah, whoa, I do remember that. You remember <laughs> that, that part of Fable, yeah. That part of Fable got a little wild. That part did get really wild. They like there was this like humming. I don't know why that stands out to me. Like this big droning the sound. Humming. Yeah. Yeah. It and like the prisoners humming. were like, oh no, you just get used to it. It's part of you now. I don't know why mm-hmm. that's so vivid. <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> yeah, very scary. Yeah, so good dog and fable. Fallout four. I was just going to say Fallout. Fallout's got good dogs. Fallout's got good dogs. I think Earthbound has a pretty good dog. Or uh, Mother 3, rather, has a very good dog. Bony. Bony's a good dog. Oh, D-Dog from Metal Gear Solid 5. Sure enough, yeah. Dog with an eye patch. It's pretty cool. Oh, the dog from Undertale. That's a good dog. That's the dog you like fight. There's a lot of good dogs in Undertale. I love all the dog-based humor there. It's it's pretty good. That game feels half dog to me. <laughs> and I'm totally cool with it. Yeah. It feels pretty good. Like all the fights where it's like you just have to like scratch the dog and they're like kind of ashamed that they have the reaction that they do. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Let me just give a shout out to Rush from Mega Man. Mm. Love that dog. It's good, good dog. Pooch. Even a robot dog. They count. Um, Hell yeah. Uh, well, do you, do you want to move on to our main thing? Let's do it. Let's do it. So here we are. Here we are. <laughs> we are. Wow. Yeah, we're back. We're here. After such a long journey. Do you remember when our, our sort of in-between song played just now? Oh, I was grooving. We've been gone for so long. Do, bring, do, 
dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Whenever I try to conjure that song in my mind, I cannot do it. Really? I listen to it a lot and I just cannot hear it for whatever it's reason. It's the power of Muzak. I can catch the vibe, but I don't know what it sounds like. I do I do catch the vibe. It's true. That's a very vibey yeah. song. What they don't what they don't tell you about podcasting though is whenever they do that in between music, we are sort of contained in a podcast prison for a little while. Mm, mm-hmm. So you and I just woke up from our, our deep slumber. It's like when Link took the master sword out from <laughs> yeah. the Temple of Time in Ocarina. Yeah, that's and us. And yeah, we are just in suspended animation until that little vignette of the song finished playing just now. <laughs> what? <laughs> Pulling the sword out. And now we're grown ass men. Now I'm 30 years old. What the fuck? That's not <laughs> cool. No, my youth. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun. It's fun getting old. Now I, like I can it. now I can actually scream that and be serious about it. Yeah, kind of, huh? No, my youth. No, my youth. <laughs> hey, speaking of youth, uh, we're doing good games. The segment where we Ooh. talk about the okayest games of yesteryear. Our top segment. Our top seg, and it is the seg where we talk about the <laughs> the, the okayest games of yesteryear. Are we saying Gosh. is seg a thing now? Are we saying seg? I don't. I'm not sure. It feels a little rough coming off my. Off my mouth, off my tongue. What seg you feeling this week? It feels a little disrespectful. I'm not exactly sure why. You trying to do a seg with me? You want to come and get segsy? Yeah. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you come over to my place? We'll talk about our segs. <laughs> Ugh, feels icky. I don't come like on. this. I got coffee on the on the stove. You want to talk hot about pot? And talk I got about a hot segs. pot. Want to talk about this seg? Seg. Um, it's the seg where we talk about the okay games of yesteryear. Gosh, all the things that we love about them, and then maybe do some other shit too. Yeah. Hell yeah. We talk about video games podtomistically. You know the you know the fucking vibe. Anyway, so we are going to talk about a video game. And I'm a little bit scared about what energy it's going to introduce into the podcast because whenever oh. we bring this series up, it's sort of, it's a, it's either going to uh <laughs> explode the podcast and we will not be able to release it or um it'll it'll light fire to whatever this episode is. Hey, we're not talking about near automata at the very least so no thank god like the 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 files will not be corrupted like <laughs> they were so jesus scary i can't believe it <laughs> it's so legitimately scary we recorded like three hours of near you had just... so many good insights into that game and they're just forever lost lost to the sands of podcast time they were too good yoko taro said no 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 he hacked into keep my this computer. to yourself chase albie <laughs> anyway so we're going to be talking about dragon ball z the legacy of goku for the game boy advanced i feel like dragon ball z even if not mentioned directly is uh always at the bottom of all of our conversations it is the the fire that fuels us yeah it's like the what's the bottom of the food pyramid grains i think so it's the grains of our video game lives yeah it's a big bowl of rice or a piece of toast for breakfast for podcasting piece of toast for breakfast (laughs) Well, it is the a nice hearty bagel a nice hearty bagel or if used incorrectly irresponsibly a big nasty pizza it's gonna make you real tired a big when nasty you, cold piece of pizza it's gonna make you it tastes really good but then in a half an hour you're gonna be like no why did i talk talk about dragon ball z for 45 this minutes? is a late day food <laughs> not a morning food what have i done <laughs> Anyway, so uh, let me hit you with some hot stats about the legacy of Goku. Wait, so is legacy of Goku cold morning pizza? Is that what you're saying? I think all of Dragon Ball Z is cold cold morning pizza. Checks out. Continue. If you have like maybe one small slice, you're going to be okay. Like that's not necessarily a bad start to the day. But if you eat like your normal serving of pizza, it's going to be a fucking problem if you start your day like that. Yeah, you're going to be sleeping soon. 
<laughs> yeah. So yeah, let me hit you with these hot stats. Hit me. Hot stats. Hot stats. So this game came out uh, May 14th of 2002 for the Game Boy Advanced. <laughs> My goodness gracious. Nearly 20 years old. Quite a quite an age. <laughs> an aged game. Yeah, it's geriatric video gaming. It was developed by this company called Webfoot Technologies, David. Well, okay. This was a weird bit of research. Uh-huh. Was Webfoot. Um, I went to their website. I went to the website of Webfoot, and it feels like a phishing attempt. When I went there, that like they were maybe trying to steal some of the data that I have on my computer. Just a, a light phishing attempt. Just a little bit, like maybe not going to steal my credit card info, but definitely wants my email. Um, All right. Foot. I th- like that's that's a dunk and very rude. It just looks like a very old website. Sure. Um. So here here's the website for Webfoot Technologies. Daffy Duck knockoff up there. <laughs> yeah. This this imagery is a little weird. So for reference, their header is a penguin, some sort of frog with a cape on, and maybe not Daffy Duck, but like Flaffy Truck Howard is the name the of duck? this character. Howard the Duck mixed with Daffy Duck? Or Donald? <laughs> Donald Duck, sorry. This is Greg the Duck. Greg the Duck. Greg the Mallard. <laughs> so yeah, an interesting little video game. Uh, they got their their hit featured game, 3D Frog Frenzy. Oh, that must be the, the frog with the cape. I think so. It appears to just be Frogger. Okay, so anyway... Um, this is a weird video game company, one that I would sort of not expect to have developed Dragon Ball Z Legacy of Goku. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea this is what this was their pedigree. Neither did I. Here, Here's the Legacy of Goku games. Dragon Ball um, Z Taiketsu. Yep. And also Boo's Fury uh-huh. and Legacy of Goku 2. Anyway, so yeah, they have such hits as uh, 3D Dragon Duel, When Bugs Attack, mm. or Bug Attack. Mahjong Halloween. Mahjong uh, Easter. <laughs> Mahjong Halloween, a Mahjong for every uh, every holiday. Mahjong Kittens. Uh, got all the Frog Frenzies, 3D Frog Frenzies, um, Frog Ooh. Frenzy 2, of course. Jumpy Bean, who could forget? <laughs> I would also like to show you the cover of Lady Cruncher, which is a very scary cover Whoa. to a video game. Oh, are you hungry? <laughs> Spelled with just R- a capital R and a capital U, hungry? That is terrifying. I don't necessarily want to put this on our Twitter because I don't want to put this company on that much of blast, but like the cover of this video game is a harrowing sight. This was this was around the time when people first started doing graphic design for like <laughs> on computers, and it was just people were just trying to see what worked. That's what happened here. Yeah, this is an experiment. <laughs> Why is there a fish on the side? I don't know. There's also a rainbow melting into the water, which is like some real dolly yeah. shit going on. Also, why is it? What's a cruncher, and why does why do big eyelashes and <laughs> flowers make it Lady Cruncher? It's very not. I don't know. Not it's, modern. Not what it's the a really anymore. scary visage. This it's this, terrifying. Uh, Lady Cruncher wants to eat your soul. She absolutely does. She's saying, "Are you hungry?" To her, uh, the hive mind that she's uh, controlling. <laughs> um, there's also Antiopoly is a game that they developed. Just sort of want you to take a look at. Wait, <laughs> wait, re- what? Yeah, Antiopoly. It's definitely Monopoly, but like, no, it's anti Chase. It is Antiopoly. Um, it literally says on, in the middle of the box the Anti-Monopoly game, <laughs> which is so trademarked. Yes, Anti-Monopoly w- is trademarked. Or did they trademark Anti-Monopoly, or are they saying that Monopoly is trademarked? I don't know. It's ambiguous. <laughs> we need a lawyer because it is hyphened. 
So is yeah. anti-monopoly one word, or is a monopoly monopoly just the thing that is trademarked? Very surprised yeah, if they if they trademarked anti-monopoly. Uh, I'm wondering if they were just like, hey, I don't necessarily know how to get around the legal issues here. Let's just say that monopoly is a product unto itself. Also, having like, a trademark on the word monopoly is very funny. Oh yeah, very like, goes a couple layers deep. <laughs> they also developed the biggest loser game for 3ds. They made a game. They made a video game, which I am reluctant to call a for video game. For the 3DS or the DS? No, sorry. The DS. The DS. Okay. You can really experience the weight change in 3D. So, so far as I can tell, the biggest loser video game is just a collection of stretches and workouts and also some recipes. You just sort of look at what to do. Oh, this is this is a this is not a good game. It's not a video game, I don't think. I think these are, these are car, are a collection of images. Like there's no there's no video game. <laughs> but there's different profiles. Yes, you can like go in and put your weight. It's like a tool, I guess, is maybe a more accurate thing. Yeah, it's, you go it's in and Nintendo put doing its thing. Yeah, so there's that. There was one for the Wii that I think came out at the same time, which is a lot more like. Okay, hold your Wiimote and do some exercises. Yeah, that makes more sense. This was just sort of like, here's how to do a squat and some animated images to show you how exactly to do that. So anyway, point being, an interesting background on this company. Very interesting. Fascinating, really. I don't know what compelled them to make all of those games and then do the legacy of Goku. Also, it feels like maybe they won like the licensing rights to Dragon Ball Z for like (laughs) a couple of years and like a bet. Maybe they were playing Mahjong with some friends and they're just like, they were confident they were going to win. So they saw how much they could get them to to bet. And they just took the Dragon Ball Z licensing video game rights right from out underneath them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's, it's a confusing sort of thing. Yeah. Anyway, so there's that. I do have a review of The Legacy of Goku uh, from our friends. The ones, the only, the kings have returned. Is it video? It's Joe fucking video. They're back. Beautiful. I, I guess they were here last week too, but still, they're still they're back. They're back again, just like Backstreet. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> they... It's the most millennial <laughs> conversation ever. God. Uh, do you remember the 90s? Um... Okay, so I have taken the review uh, that Joe Video did of Legacy of Goku, which was originally in French. I have run it through Google Translate, through as many languages as I can find, and then spat it back out in English uh, to see what they have to say. Are you ready for their review, David? Oh, I'm ready. Joe Video said of Legacy of Goku, Fans of the series may be disappointed with classic AGBA lineup, but it is very interesting and interesting. Game Boy Advance, Ziz, includes many role-playing games if you do not like this game will you apologize and they gave this one a seven out of ten joe didn't hate it joe was not a bummed out about legacy of goku i mean it's fair that if something is interesting and interesting that if you don't like it you should apologize you should apologize, you should apologize. They, they, yeah that's a request are it's you gonna double apologize interesting. For this fucking video game? it is double interesting <laughs> um so yeah there's that uh just like kind of a sidebar this is probably the worst reviewed game that we've covered in good games really absolute dunks on this video game across the internet (laughs) oh no really holy shit yeah uh (laughs) x play gave it a one out of five x play gave it a one (laughs) 
they did not like oh, it oh no yeah here's another one from the outlet called games critics uh they said dragon ball z the legacy of goku is a bad game period in fact it may be well the worst game of the year 2002 oh but the only redeeming quality it possesses is that it can be finished in well under five hours making it so that the torture of playing the game itself is relatively short-lived goku and the dragon ball z fans in general certainly deserve a better legacy than this absolute dunks. damn <laughs> jesus dude with no regard for human life absolutely dunking not, on yeah. these guys woke up and chose violence on that review dude holy shit dude i love these games <laughs> i know i did too <laughs> speaking of which do you want to tell me what this video game is yeah so the one that we're talking about in particular is based off of a set of two different sagas in dragon ball z yes saiyan and the frieza saga mm-hmm. okay so it follows the the manga and the anime their storyline yeah and the game is is a top-down action-adventure game with RPG elements, I would say, right? Yeah. So you go around, you punch wolves or uh, freeze a henchman, you yep. slowly get stronger and level up by gaining XP from beating people, mm-hmm. and you unlock certain moves and abilities along the way. That's pretty, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Traversing around semi-open maps, kind of Zelda-esque, like Game Boy Zelda-esque. Yeah, I've seen it compared to that a few times that like, it it resembles a zelda in the way that it's kind of structured not in the way that like each sort of area is like a tile that you can move through but more just like the top down sort of nature of the video game Mm -hmm. so yeah i think i think that's pretty much it so we've got sort of an interesting um situation between us here because uh (laughs) you and i both have very fond memories of this game yeah and the internet seems to have collectively said this sucks to this video game <laughs> the internet has spoken i went back and played it a little bit today on that old rg351p mm-hmm. it's not a wonderful video game and so like it's a very nice thing to say <laughs> and so i'm trying to uh navigate the 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 uh the waiting pool of podtimism to figure out like what what about this game was great because it like i, I sort of i do want to represent what was good about it mm-hmm. because i think it's selling it a little bit short to just say that like this was just a shitty game sure so do you want to start the gush or should i i'll start the gush start the gush david turn on the faucet start that gush so what i liked about the game yeah is that it very much followed the formula of the show which i yeah. loved as a child which was introduce the bad guys goku's mm-hmm. too weak goku trains really hard <laughs> goku wins yeah <laughs> it did a good job of that yeah because you yeah. have to really kind of grind mm-hmm. to get strong enough to beat some of these bosses and get to some of these spots yeah yeah so that's what i remember of being very pleased with as a child yeah um also just it, i felt it did capture the the show mm-hmm. when i was as at least through my my child eyes mm-hmm. i wouldn't say it really made you feel like goku because you definitely like Goku would not die to a wolf. He sure wouldn't. It was no. not gonna. Ha- it's not gonna happen. But it lets you fly around. It lets you do a kamehameha. And it lets you go Super Saiyan. That is all true. Which was everything I wanted as a kid, really. Yeah. So yeah, that's 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 really what I loved about it. You know, lets sure. you go into that universe and experience it in a more interactive way. Yeah, I I wrote down both of those things, both two, I think. So the uh the first one being that there's this like strong motif in Dragon Ball Z of like getting stronger and better as a way of overcoming any challenge. 
pushing past your limits going beyond yeah, exactly i think that is a intoxicating storyline for like a young boy mm-hmm. or just like a young person i shouldn't limit it to boys but as a young boy that was intoxicating to me yeah. it's like definitely a power fantasy right yep. like if you just get strong enough you can beat your problems up uh-huh but i think that as as a video game goes it represented that arc really well like you were saying um Mm -hmm. like you feel it when you're under leveled when you're getting your ass kicked you definitely feel it yeah (laughs) um i i don't know if it's it's hard for me to tell just kind of on the the replay that i had today and then when i was i can't remember quite as well when i was younger but whenever you got up one level it felt pretty significant Mm -hmm. when you were fighting the wolves and you would get like leveled up by even just one you would do a punch and it would be like holy shit that was pretty significant i just blasted a hole through this wolf (laughs) my god yeah Yeah, and so i think it it did a very good job of representing what leveling up feels like in the show Mm -hmm. again that's you know it's it's not something that's in real life or not something that you could easily represent in in human world but it felt as good to do it in the video game Maybe not as good, but close to as good to do it in the video game as it did to watch it happen in the show where like it's spread over 15 episodes and Goku's been screaming for 10 of them. And uh, suddenly he comes out and beats the shit out of whoever the guy who was just the strongest dude in the in the room just a few episodes ago. (laughs) He wasn't even powering up. He was just screaming. (laughs) (laughs) Just for funsies. Just for fun. So, yeah, I think it it does represent that in, like, video game form pretty well. Yeah. I think I'm surprised that there aren't just, like, more... Like, the Dragon Ball Z is so often represented as a fighting game. I I get why, right? That's the direct sort of thing to do. I'm surprised that there's not more RPGs about this. You got it a little bit with Kakarot that came out last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got it a little bit in that one because like the, the there was leveling up in there and you did kind of have to grind to go like get stronger. But uh, yeah, it's just it, uh, among the many, many video game releases of Dragon Ball Z, it is uh, the RPG aspects of it are not quite as common, which is I find sort of interesting. Mm-hmm. And then to your point about it being a fairly accurate representation of the show, also wrote that down. Um, and I found this sort of part of it really, really interesting because I, I realized that if I wanted to watch Dragon Ball Z now, even as like a 10 year old, I could probably go do that. Like mm-hmm. that is not necessarily a particularly difficult thing to do with the internet. But no. back in the day, and at least when this was popular, like it was kind of hard to get a hold of Dragon Ball Z or I think anime at large. I had to wait for Toonami, baby. Yeah. To, like, so, so your options were pretty limited, right? Like it was... Hope that Toonami is airing it. Hope that you are able to catch it on Toonami frequently enough to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Be able to be around when it's airing on Toonami, whether that's after school or late night or whatever, or somehow dig up and find a DVD or a VHS of Dragon Ball Z and watch those. But like, still not easy access to this stuff. And that like definitely goes for a lot of those like kind of mid 2000s like anime stuff because anime was just not quite as commonplace as it would be you know, even two or three years after that. Yep. I, I watched this YouTube video about how Toonami aired Dragon Ball Z and it was like very segmented and in pieces at first. Like they didn't have like, I think it was the right, or no, they hadn't dubbed the Cell Saga yet. Mm. Um, and so like they only had the Frieza or up to the Frieza Saga and like some of the Saiyan Saga and then they like went back and like redubbed it with like the people who I think are more common now yeah. in the shows. Yeah, um, that's so many different dubs. And like it was just an access 
access issue. Like we just didn't really have good access to this show that was like very compelling. Mm-hmm. Anyway, point being that there were a lot of these kinds of video games where the promise was, hey, we've got the whole thing here if you want to experience the story. And that as a kid was like, oh shit, I might be able to be able to actually like learn what's going on as a whole rather than just like mm-hmm. hearing about the Saiyan saga and being like, I don't know, I saw some of that. Yeah, I saw like I an really... episode here or there, but I had no idea what yeah. the order is. Yeah, like I, who the fuck is Raditz? So uh, yeah, I, I think that for that reason, and I found myself when I was younger coming back to these kinds of games where it's like, here's the story of something that you don't necessarily have a lot of access to. And I think Dragon Ball Z specifically, I kept coming back to it really frequently Mm -hmm. as a way to sort of like see like, is this the correct version of the story or like, is this going to give me more information? Yeah. So yeah, I, I also really enjoyed that. They took you from saying all the way through Frieza. Mm -hmm. It was great. It was great. Good stuff. Good stuff. And they they gave you super Saiyan, which was really what everybody wanted. That's what we're living for, baby. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm still waiting for it to happen. One of these days. And it can't happen if you're past 30. Sorry, Jace. Oh, fuck. Uh, did you ever try and go Super Saiyan as a child? Oh, of course. How could how could anybody who's watched Dragon Ball Z as a kid say they didn't? You gotta try. At least try once. Because what if it works? I felt like I was gonna do it, but I probably was just about to bust a, bust a blood vessel on my head. <laughs> You're about to say busting. <laughs> like, oh huh? It's oh the closest thing that any of us can get to Super Saiyan. Is, this is getting this is getting very blue very quickly, Chase. Oh, it sure is. Let's see. Yeah, that's all I had written down for my gushes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. the The rest of it was was definitely interesting to to revisit. Like I was saying, I think that control wise, it's aged pretty rough. Like just literally getting around the map is really kind of tough. You don't necessarily know when you are or aren't hitting a wolf. Like you just like clip through each other. The hit detection. Like, yeah, it's, I think it's it's the character to character detection. You can kind of just walk through each other, and like uh, if you're in the wolf, it doesn't hit correctly. Like it's not obvious. You gotta that be you're, inside you... the wolf. Oh, Goku, do this. <laughs> so and like I guess you know it's a twenty year old game. How hard can you really be on it? But I think if if I was trying to be optimistic about the stuff that hasn't aged well i would sort of just say that like it is not ignorable but something that is like i'm able to sort of look past and enjoy the good stuff about it still mm-hmm. um it is still very fun to level up it is still very fun to like play through the story of these games but i also totally understand why somebody would be like oh this is pretty rough to play through yeah if you're not a dragon ball z fan or you didn't grow up playing this game you probably are okay skipping yeah probably yeah. okay skipping it's not gonna change your mind or uh really make any difference in your life i wouldn't think no. at this point there's much better games out there yeah I think they're much better games that are specifically this. Like, yeah, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot yeah. is is this, but just very good comparatively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I think in as we are approaching getting up to nearly a hundred episodes, I'm still trying to sort of like wrestle with how do we talk about games that I still definitely appreciate a lot about them, but I don't know that I would necessarily say, hey, you should go play this. Cause like, yeah, I wouldn't say that about this game, but I do want to be able to extract like what was unique and cool about this one. It was Dragon Ball Z and I was just Mm. a young child and I needed more Dragon Ball Z and does a good enough job of making you feel like you are getting stronger and facing tough foes, but it doesn't really do anything new or inventive or unique. Yeah, I think like when we talk about like the mechanics that are really interesting and really cool, I try and sort of view them 
just very specifically rather than as the whole piece of art. Mm -hmm. Like if we just looked at Legacy of Goku as a whole, it's like, well, yeah, that's sort of a bummer of a game. Mm -hmm. But if you look at tying the motifs of the show to the mechanics of the game, that is a really cool part of it. Like literally engaging with the the story on a mechanical level is really cool. Mm -hmm. And something that like you can sort of pull that little tiny dragon ball out of the video game Ooh. and collect it oh. on itself. Four star ball? That's that's probably the four star ball. And you can sort of hold on to that one. That that that's sort of you know, whole reason we do this is just to highlight the very cool things and otherwise pretty normal games. I like it. So anyway, that's the thesis of our fucking podcast. David. <laughs> that's our podcast. <laughs> that's it. That's the thing we, we like do. video games and we like saying what we like about them because they're all very cool and all offer something neat. Even the ones that age kind of poorly. Honestly, probably one of the better things about this game that I think about is that it was portable. Yeah, totally. You could take it wherever. I, take, I mean, I could take Goku wherever I want. <laughs> That was great. He was my buddy. Why are you laughing at that? What's so funny about the that? The phrase, I can take Goku wherever I want, tickled me in a place that I was not expecting. I don't know why. I can take Goku wherever I want. Just imagine a 10-year-old Peruvian boy holding the big, meaty hand of Goku. I can take him wherever I want. We're going to get waffles. <laughs> I, I absolutely remember playing this video game at Lions, the breakfast place. There you go. That, you took that Goku used to, to get breakfast. I took Goku anywhere. Okay, cool. Do you have anything else that you want to say about uh, the legacy of Goku? Uh, no, I'm good. Sick. Hey, everybody. Hi. We're on Twitter. We are. At optimism that is true let us know what you like about dragon ball z or don't like about dragon ball z which is goku probably an innumerable amount of things a lot also let me know why you also agree that the ending of mass effect 3 is the best ending of any video game ever true fact true fact fact. (laughs) (laughs) hitting the hornet's nest here you're going down a road I can't follow, Anakin. <laughs> oh, wait, no, Obi didn't say that. I think Amadala did. Oh, yeah, she did say that. She was crying. Because she was, like, mad, and Obi and him were about to fight. Yeah. I'm not going to take you down this road with me. <laughs> I don't I don't have strong feelings about the ending of Mass Effect 3, except... It was fine. I have feelings about other people's feelings. But anyways, I digress. Yeah, no, me too. We have a Gmail at vgpodimism at gmail.com. Um, yep. And if you really want to help us out, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcasting app you use. I think Apple Podcasts might be the only one that does reviews. I don't think Spotify does. I think there's some that it helps if you like subscribe or yes. like, give it a thumbs up or something or like favorite it or something. Yeah, something in there. Yeah, um, something like that. Whichever of those you have access to or don't, it's also okay. Yeah. Or do whatever you want. I'm not gonna. I'm not your dad. Can't tell you what to do. You're not my dad. No, Goku's your dad. I thought Goku was my brother. Dad, it's a very weird situation. You're not my dad. No, nobody. <laughs> oh man, I know. It's okay. We can go to Lions and we can talk it out. It didn't make any <laughs> sense that you and I were the same age. In fact, that you were younger than I was. But <laughs> huh? damn it, by a significant margin. Not super significant, but significant enough. To the point where it wouldn't make a lot of sense biologically, no, but you know, I just never questioned not at it. All. I mean, I could Fuck. legally become your dad and I could adopt you if you want. Mm, it's a powerful sort of idea. Can you adopt someone that's older than older than you? Ain't no age on dad. Like, buddy. could I adopt someone who's forty five? <laughs> <laughs> it's a dangerous aura. Again, we're 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 approaching the end of the sixties here. I don't 
introduced a very interesting sort of energy here. Uh, any lawyers listening, let us know at Podtimism at Twitter. Can I adopt my dad? I mean, that's kind of what all children are destined to do, essentially, right? Is to legally adopt dad. Maybe not legally, but you kind of become... No, legally. I'm gonna, legally. I'm going to make you my son, dad. <laughs> What the fuck is going on? <laughs> We're getting off the rails. Yeah. Lastly, thank you for spending your ear minutes with us. We appreciate yeah. it. So you can hear us talk um, talking about uh, sons making power plays and making their dads their sons. Yeah. Uh, can you imagine? You just got served. You're I'm your grand, dad now. Kids, now you're a brother. <laughs> Ooh. Um, yes, thank you for spending your ear minutes with us. We really appreciate you being here. Uh, we love and support you in all your endeavors. Mm -hmm. Chase, do you have any gaming wisdom for us this week? Adopt your dad. Adopt. Become Why not? your dad's dad. Become, become your dad's dad. The dad's so nice. You made it twice. No, that doesn't make any sense. The dad's Sounds so dirty. nice. The dad's so good. You. The dad's so good adopt you should oh there you go you oh, crack the code you crack, crack the code. that crack the dad code the dad's so good adopt your dad you should <laughs> and now we're sounding like yoda <laughs> adopt your dad you should that's my best yoda impersonation sorry james bad. if you're still listening you you had the uh you had the like meter and sort of the the structure right so i feel like that's a pretty serviceable yeah i'm not even gonna attempt uh, like anything better than that it's a lot i feel like the like impersonations of some characters are like sort of approachable a yoda's like you really gotta commit yoda to you are you're yeah you're uh because everyone knows what yoda sounds like yeah so you're really confident in yourself if you're out in public impersonating yoda you're just throwing around jerry seinfeld impersonations <laughs> then that's no problem did you stop yourself from saying it correctly and say seinfeld instead <laughs> i didn't want to canonically break the idea that i can't say it <laughs> jerry seinfeld anyway so yeah gaming wisdom adopt your fucking dad adopt your end of your podcast dad. all right end of podcast see ya have a good week <laughs>